from Los Angeles. This is the Echelon Radio Network. So this is Jerry Hemsworth on the Echelon Radio podcast. And today we're talking with Kendra Thomas. Thomas Law Offices. Oh, my God. I am so thrilled to have you opposite me today. I can't even tell you. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> it's, we, we, we have done an article on you for Echelon Professional Magazine. And when I was reading your material, um, I was really, really impressed with uh, you as a person, you as an attorney, and um, and I know I've known you for years, and your reputation as a as a an attorney, uh, family law, um, especially dealing with nasty divorces and children. Um, is really impeccable. Tell me about your practice today. What is what is your practice about? What is uh, your what makes you get up in the morning and go through amazing feats during a week? <laughs> so you've heard about my week, yes. <laughs> um, so let's see the practice right now. We are handling divorce at all all levels, uh, divorce and paternity cases, anything family law we handle. Mm-hmm. As you know, I'm a certified family law specialist. Mm -hmm. I'm also a certified mediator. So Mm -hmm. that means that I mediate cases, but I also handle them inside the courtroom. I litigate them if necessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, What gets me up in the morning is just a desire to get everybody through kind of those rough patches. Mm -hmm. We firmly believe that everyone should have, you know, another chance at happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And that when these relationships, you know, end, there needs to be the best way forward. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of getting people either through the family law court system or mm-hmm. helping them with their paperwork or whatever it looks like to kind of get them through to the other side. Yeah. A lot of my practice is dealing with parties who are going through either divorce or paternity, but also a significant part of my practice has also been being court appointed in minors counsel cases where we actually go in and represent the children mm-hmm. who are kind of embroiled in these family law cases as well. I have a feeling that's a side of family law that many people don't realize there is a ton of work. And you and I were just chatting that you touch an enormous amount of cases in a given week. And tell us a little bit about how many cases approximately you might touch in a week. Sure. So it is, it's possible to touch over 100 cases in a week. And by touch them, I mean, we're, we're looking mm-hmm. at there is a significant amount of email traffic that comes in. There are phone calls. There is, of course, the court appearances, and you may have many court appearances a day. Mm-hmm. But it's a matter of taking on the cases where you can really, you know, know the case, get into it, and to where if an email comes in, you have the ability to respond as quickly as you can without necessarily needing to go back to the file and really just a lot of it's hand-holding, mm-hmm. but there is a significant amount of contact. 
Um, in the minors counsel cases, you deal with the parents, you deal with the parents' attorneys at times. You also deal with your child clients, depending on their ages. They may reach out to you via email or phone. Independently, so, on their own. Exactly. Gotcha. And then if there are collaterals, collaterals outside people who are associated with the cases, maybe they're therapists, maybe they're school teachers. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you know, when you're even going through the regular divorce system with adults, mm-hmm. you have experts, you have other people who need to weigh in where it's really important to keep in communication. So there can be a lot of moving parts that you're constantly juggling to stay abreast of the cases as they happen in real time. And and we were just talking about your ability to um, organize in in your head and in your systems. And that's, I, I believe, uh, from talking with you, that this is hardwired in you. You were born, your brain is, is, and we, and we even, I even threw out the, you know, photographic memory, but you knew, you didn't know as a child that you had this capacity to organize and sort and retain this information. But you had, you just mentioned that how beneficial it is for doing what you do. So as a child, you didn't realize that you had this ability, but you were obviously very smart. How does it benefit you today and in, in what you do right now? You know, that may be the nicest thing anyone's ever said about my brain, so oh. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I definitely function in a different way. And uh-huh. as a child, I realized that I took an information differently. Yeah. I just didn't really realize what that was. Mm. Um Now, I think it's a matter of realizing that I have the ability to take in large quantities of information and retain large quantities of information, Mm -hmm. maybe a little different than my counterparts or a little different than my colleagues. Mm -hmm. It's a huge asset because a lot of times when you're in a situation where you're receiving so so much information from different sources, Mm -hmm. being able to get a handle on it, being able to communicate on it can be very, very helpful. And there are also times when you need to be able to argue documents without necessarily having them in front of you Mm -hmm. or knowing exactly where to go to um, in a file or in an electronic file. During COVID, everything went electronic. Yes. So really being able to be on top of, okay, I've seen that document before. Here are the contents. Yes. Maybe even before you're able to pull it up and verify that what you're remembering is correct is Mm -hmm. is definitely an asset. So That's absolutely an amazing trait. Thank you. And definitely not every not everybody has that. I know I don't, and I don't think Brian does. <laughs> Although I wish I had that. Kendra, I'm going to um, switch gears. Where did you grow up? Really? Yeah. <laughs> could could you tell that I'm not Californian? No, no. <laughs> honestly, I couldn't. <laughs> That's why it's such a joy. Where did you grow up? So I am actually born in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay. Yes. Alberta, gorgeous. Gorgeous. You know, and I'm I'm sure, I think we've discussed the Banff Resort, mm-hmm. which was not too far away from mm-hmm. where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, <sighs> but believe it or not, despite the fact that Canada is so similar to the States, mm-hmm. it was still a bit of a culture shock when I ended up down here. Yeah, because you didn't come straight to California with your family. Where did you move to from Canada? Well, I've been all around. Yeah, yeah I've been absolutely all around. Uh, but I did, I ended up when I ended up in the States, I ended up in Missouri, oh. a small town in Missouri. <laughs> I know Missouri. 
I know a little bit about Missouri. I have family that lives there. Um, that must have been an interesting transition for you. Oh, yes. On so many levels, yes. uh, developmentally, socially, all, all of it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I think you bring that experience mm-hmm. and you bring it forward in terms of it shapes who you are, but yeah. it also gives you perspective yes. when you're working with so many families into that they too bring their different experiences into a situation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and how did you get to California? I ended up, my family had already moved here and okay. I le- stayed in Missouri. I ended up in California because I came to law school out here. Where'd you go to law school? Pepperdine. Oh, Malibu. Yes. I'm an undergrad of Pepperdine. Yes, that's that's right. So you, the mm-hmm. same fondness for the beaches, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, you know, but when you're there and you're studying your ass off, you really don't appreciate what you're looking at and what, what you're, where you're at. I know for me, it, it took going back after I graduated to go, why did I rush this? Why did I not pay attention? Because the education I found there is so intense and your nose is in a book or you know uh in in meetings and and working that you really don't take in and breathe and enjoy the environment but it is stunning there very true very true oh good for you i know something about you i know a couple things about you oh no Sorry, Mom. Oh, no, no. This has nothing. Well, I don't think it. But I think this has to do with your dad. Okay. Your, um, your dad, I would say, my own, not knowing your father, was, had an adventurous spirit. And he took you along for the ride. And he, you did something. And you, you have a hobby that surprised the bejesus out of me. <laughs> and... Brian, and I think will surprise anybody listening, what is the most outrageous thing you do that will surprise people? Well, that feels like a very loaded question, yeah. but there were two hobbies. But that you know what had. I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. About. <laughs> absolutely. So my dad was a marathon runner. Mm-hmm. So he got me into running my first, actually, we did my, our first full marathon together. He did his in Honolulu. His second marathon was my first. LA before I went on to do one in Alaska. But he also, um, he reached a certain age and realized he wanted to go skydiving. So he did his first jump. And then his second jump, he said, honey, we need to do this. And you're like, uh, huh? Were you like, oh, yeah, let's do it? Or were you like, hmm? I was a little on the fence with it until he was like, (laughs) hey, we need to face our fears. Uh-huh. And so let's do it. So we we did, and I jumped, and it was um, scary, but yeah. it was liberating. Wow. And for someone who needs to have so much control in life and in their day, yes. it's a very very freeing experience. So it is something that that I enjoy. And you started at about what age? Uh, I believe around nineteen. Yeah, yeah, late teens. And now I am older than that. Uh, <laughs> I won't be able to tell how much older, but. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's something over the years. <laughs> over the years, though, it's one of those things that's definitely, you know, kept me sane and had had a, a, an impact in terms of allowing me to release and just mm-hmm. remember him every time I do it. And not just here in the States, where you have, what, over 150, 160 jumps? That is correct. But the majority of them are where? 
the majority I did when I was abroad. Yeah. Yeah. And and here, you've done 40, 50 jumps or so Correct. in California out in Paris. Yes. The freedom, the letting go, um, do you feel... The, do you feel anxious and eager to experience that? Or every time you get up in the plane, you're like, oh, God, I have to do this, or I need to do this. How, what is that experience when you're about to jump? Are you, how do you feel? I think that's the wonderful thing about it. There is no consistent feeling for me. It really depends right. in terms of what I have going on in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. So there have been jumps where... I feel nothing. Mm -hmm. And I get up there and it's time to do it. And okay, let's just do it. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you take that step, you feel the you feel the energy surge. Mm -hmm. And then there are other times when you have the anxiety that you've had during the week. And the second you just let go, it all goes. Really? So like a windshield wiper. Absolutely. And so it's very much a, I experience the jump as I've kind of experienced what I've either got going on Mm -hmm. or what I've experienced recently. Perspective. I bet it gives you a great amount of perspective and respect for what life is about. Oh, absolutely. Another little tidbit about you is you love to perform. Singing? Yes. Acting? I am an avid karaoke individual. Nice! And in uh, in my undergrad, my yes. other major was theater. I was actually going to, well, at least in my brain, I was going to be this amazing Broadway star. Mm. Uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> there's, still, there's still time. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see, Jerry. God willing. Post-law. But we, yeah, I definitely enjoy tinkering around with it. You know, occasionally I will perform with friends, love to sing, love to dance, just love, love all of it. So, and those skills also help me in the courtroom, I think. Well, and that's what I want to bring back is, is what you learn from skydiving and performing on stage and to dive into what you do and your passion um, for helping people through difficult, difficult times. How do those interact for you? I think the biggest lesson that I've learned from all of it is sometimes the only way through is through. Mm-hmm. And I need to remember that with my clients also, mm-hmm. is that many times you take them as you find them. Mm-hmm. Um to the extent that you find someone who's going through a difficult mm-hmm. you know, position in their life, they may be difficult to deal with, they may be focused on something else, you take them as they are, and mm-hmm. this too shall pass for them and for you. Yes. So many times when you, when you realize the difficulty they're going through, the best you can do is just hold their hand, understand, and say, you know what, you're about to step off the plane, or you're about to go in front of the mm-hmm. audience, you're about to do whatever it is. But we're just going to get through it the best the best way we can get you through it. That's a very good point that you are probably very able to identify with the fear that's inside of them about what they're about to do. And you can relate and, like you said, hold their hand and say, we'll do this together. Very valuable. Very valuable. And, of course, it depends on the client and the experience. Yes. But, and also, like, even if you're about to, you know, embark on your worst performance or mm-hmm. your worst dive, mm-hmm. it is only going to last uh, relatively a brief amount of time. Mm-hmm. You are still going to have everything that happens from that point forward. Yes. So sometimes all you can do is get through and then refocus. 
but it's definitely an experience that really makes you value, okay, if we don't want to live in this moment, we don't have to. Same thing for running your own law firm, I imagine. <laughs> yes, there are many of those moments I don't want to live in, Jerry. <laughs> Any of us business owners, you go, uh, let's just move past this one. <laughs> oh, exactly. There are some days you're running around wondering, who do I give my resignation to, yeah, right? Like it I'm didn't gonna, come with an instruction manual. Somebody calls and they ask for you and say, sorry, I just fired her. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But seriously, though, I mean, absolutely, there are those days, and it sounds like you can absolutely yeah, relate. Of course. But of if you course. had to do it all over again, would you yeah. really do it differently, right? Yeah. Other than, you know, not as much credit card debt, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it all over again. Because it affords us the lifestyle that we choose to live. We have control. And I think that's what's important. We can take our skills and what we're best at doing and be able to... Um, to drive our own lives and be behind the wheel. That's, yeah. And I think also for me, it was really important to be able to practice law my way, mm-hmm. on my terms, mm-hmm. and focus on the things that I felt were important in a case as yes. opposed to what other people felt was important in a case. Okay. Because again, not all not all litigation, you can have the same fact pattern, but mm-hmm. you have different people. So mm-hmm. it's not all the same case. Right. So the same approach, the same hand-holding, the same nuance mm-hmm. is not going to be the same across the board. And many times when you're working for someone else who's calling the shots, they mm-hmm. may or may not realize that. Yes, I, I understand 100% of what you're saying. One last thing before we go. There's an element in your practice that is a concierge, uh, I don't, we wouldn't call it, a program, but you have the ability to be a concierge practice. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So for some of our higher, higher end clients, higher net worth individuals, Mm -hmm. they find us to be useful in not just their family law matters, Mm -hmm. and not just on a standard retainer as as you would note with a family law firm. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they then bring us in to kind of spearhead their other legal issues to deal with the other challenges that they face yeah. as part of our concierge program. And basically what that is, is it's a fee that gives us the freedom then to basically tackle whatever your situation is, whatever your challenge. If we need to build a different legal team with different experts for you, we're happy mm-hmm. to do it. Um, it's it's really an interesting program that we've had a lot of a lot of success with, mm-hmm. but it's really something that allows us to be uh, strategically creative while tackling other other issues that come up for some of our clients. I think it's brilliant because you're able to pick other team members and bring them together to solve a single issue for a client, and and your you oversee it, your team oversees it, but there are so many different things that can come up in just day-to-day life for your clients. That's got to be extremely gratifying for you. Oh, it, it absolutely is. How the idea was born was in family law, the beautiful thing and why I love it, no two days are the same. Mm-hmm. No challenges are identical. Right. So we would have clients who we would get to a certain point where you would normally sign off mm-hmm. and they would say, hey, we've been on this really intimate and forgive me if that's not the, the right word or right drives a difficult connotation, but 
it's such an intimate journey that when we were through to the other side, they'd say, okay, what's next? Yeah. Well, what do you mean what's next? You're, you're divorced. Congratulations. Yeah. See and you later. Say, but uh, 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 exactly. Yeah. Now I have money. What do I do with it? Or I have this business idea. How can you help me with it? And you are an attorney and you've come into my life. Exactly. I have this relationship yes. with you. How yes. can we cultivate it to get me through to the next level? I understand. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Or you would get the call at, you know, 4 a.m. from a client saying, I was just involved in a dangerous DUI situation or something like that. <laughs> just just deal with it. Like, help mm-hmm. me deal with this. Mm-hmm. And okay. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I can now understand after a very um, difficult process of going through a divorce or, or something traumatic like that, that you do, and the clients must really attach to you because you are so kind and kind-hearted and um, nice is, is something that we talked about. Um, but boy, I wouldn't want to be across the aisle from you in a court. <laughs> I don't know how to take that chart. No, it's good. It's it's good. I mean, I I think I you know you're like what I would call a pit bull in in, in court, but um, I can imagine they don't want to say goodbye to you, and you become a, an extreme asset to them, and um, I think you have become a great asset to me as a friend and just as a colleague in our business circles. Thank you. Thank no, you. I thank feel the you. same. No, back at it's. I'm really uh, blessed to know you, and I thank you for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Presented by Echelon Business Development. More than just networking. Way more.